Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. It's over. Go home. That Final Scene starts now. Hi everyone, we're back with That Final Scene podcast. My name is Sophie and I'll be your host for the next hour. And I am joined by my co-host, Ben. Hello. Simon. Yo. I feel bad we didn't start recording earlier because we had this weird art house conversation where we Mm. dropped some like very weird art house names. Simon, you mentioned Mema. Was that? No, no? it was Mame. Mame. (laughs) I don't even know if it counts as art house, but it's a film that I can never forget. It's like a, an incest story between a mother oh, and lovely. her son, and it's just really weird. Beautiful. How did <laughs> really you weird. like? How did this end up in your? It was when like, I was in my art house phase. I was going to say, like, did you did you accidentally go into the wrong screen at the cinema and you thought, no, oh, I bought I, it on. I DVD. can't wait to see Bad Boys Two, and then you're sitting in this weird <laughs> incest movie. I think I bought it on DVD. Oh wow! And then uh, I hadn't really clocked what it was, which I, you know, the, the Dreamers has incest in it, and I like that film. <laughs> <laughs> But not for the right reason. I genuinely misheard you there and I thought you said, well, the dream is it has incest in it. No. And then it did. Um, <laughs> for a second, I thought you meant mummy, which we did in a previous episode, oh, yeah. which, which is also incest. It has incest it has vibes. Mother yeah, that's true. So like mama is like mommy, but a thousand million percent further on. Interesting. <laughs> Well, not interesting. I'm sorry. I'll send you a picture it. of the DVD box and you can assess it. Oh, is yourself. it one of those ones that you can you get a lot from the cover? I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> it's in it's in my DVD box mm. in my mum and dad's house. Ben, do you have an art house film that I you fondly remember? I, no, not really. No, good. I'm That's I, like good. I look at and if if I have, I probably have like blocked it out in my mind that I just never want to ever have to think of it again. That, I don't That's think great. I have. There's definitely some random French and films sitting around there in my head somewhere. I studied film for like six months, so there's definitely some weird shit <laughs> in between, like watching Rashomon. It's like, oh yeah, great. I mean, on a more positive note, what have you been watching? I'm, I'm guessing you've caught up on The Last of Us. Uh, yes. Well, I haven't watched episode four. Yes, okay. which is the one that came out this week. I did watch episode three, which I've is heard great things. Like the best hour of television that's ever been made, and the most heartbreaking thing you'll ever watch in your entire life. Um, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on about it like I did in the last episode about The Last of Us, but it's just fucking, it's brilliant. I think it's like the highest rated show on like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb ever at the minute. Really? And it's just, yeah. It's, well, this is far better than you going on about Rings of Bullshit, which is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I very much not hate watching The Last of Us. I'm, I'm loving every second of it, even though the la- as I say, the last episode was very upsetting, but yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, I've, I, so I finally watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Because it's on Disney Plus now. Didn't rate it, really. To be perfectly honest, I don't know what you thought, but fell a little bit flat for me. Really didn't like some of the new characters and the new, like, costumes and suits they introduced to it. And I thought Namor was just a really flat villain that, like, how many times does, you know, the person who's been the secret world that they've found and the guy who runs the secret world wants to kill everybody. Like, maybe people will say I'm, I'm I'm, you know, misinterpreting the film, but... I did like it. I do think I was very biased, though, because of the, I don't know, like, tribute that they did to Bozeman in the beginning. And then I 
adored the post-credit scene. I thought it was one of the sweetest, like, oh, with scenes. The song. Yes, yeah. sweetest scenes. I, um, I th- well, I think maybe that's the problem I had with it because it starts well. Yeah. And then it just tapers. For me, it just tapered up. It's too long. It's way too long. There's a lot of, like... You could definitely trim the fat, like you could probably trim 30 minutes off it. Which and is something you could argue for most Marvel films yeah, these well, days, unfortunately. Yeah, the most yeah. recent ones, Jesus Christ. Everything's like a marathon. I, I'm sure Simon, you'd agree, like when we saw that Doctor Strange, like Jesus, it was so long. I really was questioning this whole podcast at that point. I was like, I don't know how many films I've watched. We have dialed it back. You have we have. To, like, yeah, We've not forced yeah. you to do that. I mean, yeah. I'm waiting for the day we get to do Lord of the Rings. I can't wait. It's going to happen <laughs> soon, eventually. Surely gonna, there'll be... Because it's, what is it, 2020? Surely we're coming up to like an anniversary of Return of the King eventually. Oh, It's 2003, yeah. I think. 2003, yeah. Oh my god! Oh we've, my god! Oh, we've got, this we've got year. twenty. We've got twenty years of Return of the King. We're definitely going to get you watching it's, Lord of the Rings this year. Uh, yeah, it's the. Is it the second or Third. the first most? Uh, oh, sorry. Oscar. Oh, Oscar nominated. Uh, no, it's it, no. There's it's something up there else. with Titanic or and. Um, most nominations. I think it may be most wins. It's tied, not most nominations. Maybe though. most wins. Yeah, Maybe, which is know, like. I would have to go back and actually watch the ceremony because I can't believe they awarded Lord of the Rings with so many Oscars because it's such an IP, like, you know, Hollywood buster, a Hollywood blockbuster film. Like, I don't know how they yeah, pulled that great, off. Yeah, it's great, though. I'm, it it's, is I'm, great. I'm full, I'll fully elven it up on this one. Like, it, it is, is great, brilliant. but you could argue that, I don't know, Endgame was great. Endgame and, was great, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't, like, it wasn't even... Endgame was great, but I, I, there is a stigma in Hollywood around superhero movies. That's true. Coming from well, the, the director, elves, we're going to talk. The, well, well, the, the director, we're going to talk about. The same. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, they're having exactly. The same. It's you know, superheroes are bad. Elves are great. You know, but it's because people like Martin Scorsese, who we're going to talk about later, goes out there and is like, "Oh, superhero movies aren't movies." There's that kind of stigma around. Right. Them. But yeah. isn't um, Angela Bassett's nominated for an Oscar this year? She was incredible. I mean, the so. scenes that she was in, they were very impactful. Yeah. I found. No, so. she was fantastic. But yeah, it fell a little bit flat for me. I rewatched Banshees of Inisherin again. Mm-hmm. Which is just depressing, but fantastic. I think we might do it for the next episode, which we would be are. Cool. Um, so yeah, I might have to watch it a third time, which could drive me over the edge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it, really. I've, I've been quite busy recently, so I haven't been watching that much. But mm-hmm. yeah, crammed in Black Panther when I could. What are we using? <laughs> that sounded wrong. Sorry. I watched the first season of Euphoria. Oh, oh you went, God, you, you went deep. Yeah. Okay, thoughts? Really, really loved it. Someone said to me, it's like skins, but no one has any fun ever. (laughs) (laughs) The first two episodes are too much. It's just so dystopian and, yeah, upsetting. But then it sort of calms itself down into a much better routine. What made you go to episode three then? I felt like like it was a bit of an attack watching the first two episodes. You did like a rest after it. But you could sense that there was something Something. building. Euphoria is the one with Zendaya, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And Sydney Sweeney and stuff. She plays this character called Rue, who actually right. narrates the whole thing. Okay. So the, the, the Rue Zendaya's narration is throughout every episode, mm. and she delivers this really sort of monologue-y, monotone, calm narration um, throughout, and it's really effective. And uh, she plays a drug addict in recovery, but then relapsing and in recovery, and then relapsing again. Um, and it's all about these kids at the school who all hang out together and all the shenanigans that go down. But it's really clever because it depicts really distressing stuff like rape, domestic abuse, alcohol abuse and all this kind of stuff. But it doesn't 
really judge. It kind of examines it and sort of shows you what lies behind people's actions a bit more. Mm. And it, so it stimulates really good conversation about morals and what you think about the way people are behaving in it and stuff. It's, it's, it's really deep. And it covers a trans story really, really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was amazing. And that's probably my favourite are you gonna are you gonna persevere through and watch season two? Yeah, I'm um, already start watching it. Oh, really? I heard yeah. season two was incredibly heavy, like heavier than mm. the first one. But the I, haven't, me- I haven't watched it though. I are don't there know. two? The or music's three incredible seasons? in season two. While well, I was walking here, I was listening to Roxette. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. It's like they've taken every frame. They've gone. How can we just maximize this? Yeah. Like, there's not a single millisecond of filler. And is it all like synthy eighties music? In not so much in season one. Okay. It's more contemporary. The soundtrack's done by Labyrinth. Oh wow. Which is really cool. And then Labyrinth and Zendaya have a track together, which also features in I, the I've show. seen that scene because it was yeah. like when it went viral when it came out and it was just incredible. Where they dance like they dance together. Mm. Are just, they, is it in is the music video in the church? Yes. Yeah. So that 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 is actually a, a scene from or partly in from, from the, the show. show. Cool. I didn't but know yeah, that. it's um it's a I really recommend it. It's really good. I've yeah. always been meaning to watch it. I think it's yeah, what held me back was the heaviness of the subject, but I do feel like I'm gonna really like it. Mm, Once I yeah. probably get get There's to episode three. <laughs> one character that, that's this guy called Nate. And um, oh, who's the worst? Apparently, yeah. I mean, he's but he's so bad. He's he's almost like pantomime bad, and that's the only part of it that I wish they dialed back a little bit because right. he just seems like some, you know, superhero villain type character that just has too much control and is just too evil. Right. Okay. And uh, he's just dealing out evilness left, right, and center. And I just that. that and the rest of the show was really kind of grounded and. But yeah, real. yeah. I mean, it's very hyper. Yeah. But but the clever thing is, every time you think, ah, oh, this is too much. It's too insane. This this is not anything close to anybody's life that's ever been lived in in California or whatever. But then you remember that it's being told through the prism of teenagers' mm. eyes, and everything is like hyped up and crazier, and it's all mm. small stuff gets built up into big drama in your head at that age and like that's what the show is about so it's i think it's really clever cool awesome yeah. i will so you would I recommend will get to it. yeah definitely and i don't think i thought about the comparison to skins quite a lot it's very different yeah. skins has the uk humor element right. and it, it, and that, that's part of the difference between american and uk culture isn't it is humor is a bit very very different and uh, that doesn't really exist in in uh, Euphoria. That was going to be my question. Is it ever, like, even slightly funny? Yeah, there are even some Even subversively so? Okay. There are some good bits. There's, there's some relief. Good. But it's very different. You know, in, in Skins, there's, there's silliness mm-hmm. and, like, naivety. That's yeah. really... There's, there's no sort of silliness in Euphoria. But there are jokes. I guess that comes as well, as you say, with the kind of the American sense of humour rather than the rather than the UK. Mm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the humour comes from Zendaya. Okay. Like mm. she does, she, it's quite flea baggy in places where she'll talk to the camera, do lots of looks. Right. She's so expressive. Breaking the fourth wall type thing. Yeah. Interesting. I find her incredible. Like what, is, what I've seen from her, like mm. I loved her in Malcolm and Marie. That she was, oh, yeah. yeah, really good. I just, yeah, I think she's just very, very talented. Yeah. I watched Euphoria and just think I could never compare come close to coming up with something as clever as that. Just this, this, it's like they had a thousand million ideas and then 
they had to burn most of them and then make new ideas again. And it, like there's, there's crazy montages that you just couldn't dream up. There's loads of art references all the time. It's just mad how many, how much has been thrown at it and how it all stitches together so well. And I saw an interview with Sam Levinson, the writer of it. And he said that much of the script is based on his own issues with drugs mm. when he was younger. And you can totally detect that it's someone's written it from the heart. What else has Sam Levinson done? I recognize the name. I feel like I've, I've heard Sam Levinson. Before. You know, often when you watch stuff that really resonates, you can often tell that it's come from a really real place. And yeah. that's definitely translated. In that's that, Corsese. In, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about, like, his work is very observed. It's like lived in. You can tell that it's not, it's very documentary. Like, it doesn't look like a documentary, but it has a feel of it, which is, I can... He, he wrote that. Malcolm and Marie as well. There we go. That's, oh, sorry, there you that's go. Oh, where I okay. from. Interesting. And then I also watched for work, I watched Labyrinth with David Bowie. Oh, oh love that film. Quite a treat. Oh my God, what a film. What a lot of crotch in it. Um, well, yeah. it's, I, apparently. But we um, had that in his con- had a crotch Translate that for contract. our non. Uh, <laughs> so he's got this like, these bizarre, like gray, weird leggings with this big bulge in them. And apparently. He no, felt no uncomfortable padding. about the size of this bulge. And so during the film, it reduces gradually from about halfway through because they, they let him reduce it. Because the idea is that, um, what's the girl called? Who's played by Jennifer Connelly, which I was blown away by. I didn't realize it's the Jennifer Connelly from Requiem for a Dream um, as a kid. But um, I can't remember what her character name is in it. But um, the idea is that it's from her perspective and everything's scary as a teenager including like men's crotches and that's why they wanted hmm. to make it like that um but, but yeah david bowie had it dialed back interesting as the, really? as, as the movie goes on and she gets less afraid it gets smaller Maybe, yeah. you know she has the power now <laughs> but oh my god the um the puppet tr- the puppet stuff mm. and the set design blows away yeah. like cgi it's like i was watching it going holy fuck the resolution of these effects is amazing but it isn't it's Real, yeah, textures. they just did it back then. Yeah, it just looks incredible. Love that film. Yeah, is it Del Toro? No, Pan's Labyrinth no, is Del Toro. Yeah, Sorry, Pan's like good, it's good. written by Terry Jones from Monty Python. Okay, as well. do we know the director or? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just very yeah ahead of its time in a way. It's so creative. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you, Sophie? Um, I mean, very quickly, I did what's the first two episodes of The Last of Us. I haven't seen the third one because I'm watching it with Michael, so we're going to see it this week. What did you What did you think? Um, okay, so opening scene, like, I loved it so much yeah. because it solved the Walking Dead problem, which is where the fuck the zombies come from, <laughs> you know? <laughs> which is like, we are with Walking Dead, we were season eight and we have no idea where this whole thing yeah. started, whether there's a cure, where it's going. And I love the fact that, you know, with the opening scene, it's, it gave you the answer right away. So yeah. you kind of know where things are going. Um, I have to say the overall... Solid show, nothing too incredible, like as in like nothing super creative. Because I've seen The Walking Dead season one, which was uh, which was also equally strong. I I remember as far as I remember. You think so? Interesting. I, I mean, I I, 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 lo- I love the first season, season of The Walking Dead as well. I thought it was very like, the vibe is very similar. I loved Anna Torv, um, Tess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Peter Pascal is great. 
Bella, Bella Ramsey. Ramsey. She's a bit annoying, but I'm guessing her character. But she's playing the character very well. If you've played the game, she's yeah. playing a spot on, yeah. Yeah, I'm just finding her annoying. But I, I, <laughs> I reckon it's the writing so far. Uh, and we're going to get to a point where the chemistry between the two is going to get, like, yeah, I, I can see where it's going in a way. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to episode three because I've heard, yeah. It's fantastic. And based on yeah. what you said, it's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, I, lo- Nick, I love Nick like, Offerman and Nick Marie Offerman. Bartlett. Yeah. And what, uh, Mari... Marie Bartlett oh from God, yeah. White Lotus. <laughs> I love how he shows up in every show and it's be also just play the gay guy. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like, makes it ultimately better, it seems. 100%. Yeah. Um, so, as of us, then, yeah, HBO again, The White Lotus season two. I'm watching that right now. I love it. It's just incredible. Uh, to be honest, I, di- I didn't like it as much as I liked season one. Okay. I thought season one was a lot better. I Yeah. I like the ca- I like the characters more. Um, really? I, th- yeah. I thought no, they no, were no, more relatable in the first season. Oh, no, no. Not as in I, I like them. I think yeah, they're I awful. Get I get you. But yeah. I just find them more... That I've, I don't know. I feel like they have more meat in a way. Like Aubrey Plaza is amazing. I hear um, partner, husband, to just, oh, yeah. yeah, just very interesting. Uh, I love where Jennifer Coolidge and her, you know, husband, <laughs> like storyline is going. Like yeah. I just, I, I don't know. So far, I'm quite impressed. But I have only seen the first couple of episodes. So okay. we'll see whether yeah, I I'll like it more. Yeah, I'll be interested to regroup Yeah, I have a verdict yet. I can tell you that I love it more than season one. Cool. Because I love both of them so far and very quick plug to after young so this is um a film that came out last year in sundance colin farrell um jody turner smith it's a sci-fi indie film that completely went under the radar from a24 it's about uh, we're in the near future and colin farrell's with his wife and they have adopted a Chinese uh, girl and because they want to get her to better understand her heritage and her culture, they adopt or they, you know, they buy basically an android who's Chinese in order to kind of get her to have someone in the family that's also Chinese and they can uh, get her to uh, be closer to her roots. And the Android breaks down. It malfunctions. So Colin Farrell... kills everyone. No, it's much more subtle than that. Basically, Colin Farrell goes on a journey to fix and repair the Android. But in the process of that, he... He finds himself. No. (laughs) He has to open the Android, uh, like, as in to repair it. And he finds some very interesting things in the Android. So Ah, Is it like a dialect? There's like a weird monster inside. Very much so. Very much so. I don't want to give too much away, but it's my second five-star film for the year. Oh, interesting. You can, uh, in the UK, you can find it on Now TV. What's it called again? After Young. Young is the name of the Android with an Ah, A. Yeah. After Young. Yeah. It's a very emotional, like so far, it's just um, very emotional. Okay. So, well recommend. Well recommend. Nice. Yeah. That's my plug. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Okay, so uh, we are we, we are going to talk about the party today, obviously from Martin Scorsese. So, we went to Instagram to ask you guys three questions. 
your best uh, Scorsese film, your worst Scorsese film, and your hot take when it comes to the director. So I want to start with the best film and what you guys voted, but I wonder whether you, Banner, and Simon have a favorite or like the film that you consider to be his best work to date. I think The Departed probably is is my favorite. I'm okay. not, not, it's not just recency bias and the fact that we've watched it. I just watched it. I do think, I think it's just a fantastic film, like a brilliant cast, like, you know, this an amazing cast of actors like Jack Nicholson and Leonardo DiCaprio, Mata, and even like further down, like... Um, like Michael Sheen's really good in it. So and good. You get some amazing, I mean, what's his name? Oh God, what's his name? He's, he's, he's going to jail now for shooting the woman on the set last Alec year. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, some <laughs> excellent, excellent he's, Alec Baldwin I, I pacing in that film. I hate how good he is, like generally as an actor. That man just has like... such a fantastic ability to scrunch his <laughs> oh. face. It is ridiculous. Go back and watch the funeral scene at the end and watch how stern he looks. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's fantastic. I don't, I really just, feel, you know, he really looks like he's he's like clenching. Really hard. Um, and yeah, Vera Farmiga is in it. She's really good. Um, yeah. And it's, I think of like, of the Scorsese films, yeah, I'd watch that probably is the highest one. I, I don't really consider myself like a Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Like I I haven't like followed him religiously in, in the way some yeah. people do. I, th- I think we we're talking about this before we started recording. Uh, we realized how many films he actually yeah. has under his belt, like over 30 features and a lot of documentaries, weirdly, mm. which I didn't know. And music know. videos. <laughs> he did a bad music video or he did a Michael Jackson one? <laughs> hey, that's normal. Like, lots of directors it, doing yeah. commercial work It is work normal, but the documentaries is something yeah, quite... You know, that's probably... Uh, you know, keeps them interested in stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, what variation. about you, Zoe? What would you say? I find it's hard to get out of my top three, which would be The Departed, Wolf of Wall Street, and Raging Bull. All right. Right. I find okay. it hard to pick. I also haven't seen a terrible, a Scorsese film that I've really not enjoyed. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's ta- the thing. Taxi Driver, it, I didn't really get the hype about. Yeah, I find but, it quite hard to say ones that I, I, of the ones I've watched, and again, just clarify that, of the ones I've watched, I, yeah. It's hard to say, like, I didn't like it because I do think he's a good director. I don't think he has, like, the ones I've seen, I can't see one where it's like, oh, it's a swing and a miss where you're like, oh. I mean, it's a huge body of work with very high hit rate. That's insane. Because if you think Mm. when you're making films, there's so much that can go wrong, you know, like in the layers of people involved in a production. There's so much, so many variables at play. I guess he's been involved in so many bangers. I guess the one that I go back, I I would say that falls kind of lower on the list for me. And it's because I've tried watching it and I just can't get through it as the Irishman. I just, I don't know, that film like feels like it should have been a series. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I would have gotten more out of it as like a 10 episode HBO thing than a three and a half hour Netflix movie that needs to probably be watched in three sittings. Yeah. And yeah, that's the only kind of one on of the ones I've watched that I would say, yeah, I just struggle to fi- I struggle to finish it because yeah, it's just a bit of a long slog. But that, again, that's that's just my taste. Like I know people who watched the Irishman mm-hmm. and thought it was fantastic, and I couldn't get past some of the CGI De Niro stuff. But that's just me. It is, yeah. The CGI is quite distracting in a way. It's not great. Simon, you're right. I mean, there are very few directors that have that have been having hits for... Give this guy over, a break. I mean, over, these, fi- over five decades It's now? like we're looking for this purity, like he's not allowed to do one shit film. It's like, of course in your career, there's going to be yeah. like scripts that you choose no, like, that don't turn yeah. out like you thought they would or you lose control over a production. Maybe there's like 
trouble with the way that it's managed from the studio or something. Like, right, yeah. But with the exception of maybe Spielberg, who probably has the same influence on cinema, you know, in that way, because I, I'm on, you know, I'm in your camp, Ben. Like, I'm not a massive fan mm. of his. Like, but it, it's that doesn't mean that he's not objective, like a great yeah. director. It's just he's not. I don't know. It's very like he explores masculinity quite a lot. I can see how a lot of white men, you know, can relate to his work. Um, I can only watch so many gangster films before. I was going to say, know, if, you wanna watch, if you want to watch a gangster movie, you know you're in safe hands <laughs> if you watch a Scorsese film. It's like yes. you can kind of settle down and watch it, like whether it's like old yeah. school gangs of New York or it's The Departed or it's... The, the first 10, 15 minutes The Departed, I find hard work, is the, the constant like swearing and yes. blokey bullshit. I have and to I was say, like, if it's like this all the way through, I'm really going to struggle with it. I have to say, I... I, I don't struggle with it. I that oh I said this, I was texting you guys earlier. That opening sequence of Jack Nicholson's monologue with Gimme Shelter playing underneath. I <laughs> fucking love that opening. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And then that yeah. and then the fact that that it the, the line that it ends on, you know, you when I grew up you're either a cop or a priest, but the question is when you're faced with a loaded gun, what's the difference? That's just oh that that's it like yeah. it perfectly sets up the but whole after film. After that section, then it goes into the you meet the the two police guys. Yeah. And it's then very it's, fast paced. It's very, yeah. it's very hard like, to keep up. Yeah. It's very hard to and keep up. And that is hard work to listen to. It's like a really grating yeah. Yeah. The Boston dialogue. Everybody's every, calling everybody yeah. a cocksucker. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, and oh the my the God. Throw, like the homophobic references. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's the bit when I was like, I, if it's like that for the whole film, I won't enjoy <laughs> it. But then obviously the depth began to build. Right. And then, then you start to realize you're in for a okay, mega treat. So, uh, top three Goodfellas, number one. Well, I mean, Goodfellas Which, objectively is it's, probably it's the best t- gangster film or like, yeah. It's ever probably made. my favorite um, film of his. It's just mm. incredible. Um, number two, Taxi Driver. Number mm. three, The Departed. That's, a, I, I mean, I'd, I know. So it's fairly I know, predictable. Uh, yeah, predictable. I, I know a lot of people love Taxi Driver. I'd probably swap Taxi Driver and The Departed. I mean, for me. The Departed is my favorite one, so I put it. Yeah, top. I would say Goodfellas was the most um, universally like loved. There's just a mm. lot of um, you know support there. Uh, no, no, f- no Cape Fear. There the, the were like a, a, this is just a ranking of based on the responses. Like mm. pff, actually, no one said Cape Fear. I'm sorry for best film. Um, we had a couple of uh, people saying Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman, but. These were the top three. Um, now moving on to the worst film, Gangs of New York takes the cake, which I have to agree with because I watched it once. Well, I have to say I'm quite biased because Cameron Diaz, I'm, she's not like, she wasn't great. Doesn't in that she film. do that dreadful Irish accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very, again, very distracting. Is she as good as The Holiday? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, we had a couple of people saying in the hot take section that you know, if it weren't for Daniel Day-Lewis, the film would have been a dud. And it's really very Possibly, yeah. long and, again, not my favorite gangster, you know, Scorsese film for sure. So that was the, yeah, top voted for worst Scorsese film. I think worst is a hard one to use because it's, objectively it's not necessarily a bad film. And I know people who no. like Gangs of New York. no. You know, I think it's a, as you say, Simon, it's kind of like, look, like it's kind of hard looking for duds with that. I like Scorsese, but my issues around him come around like his opinions around like other cinema and how he kind of like 
he's very outspoken around anything that's not like true movie making like you know superhero movies aren't real movie making and it mm-hmm. like I take issue with that like when it's there's no need to go firing at movies that just because you don't really understand them are bad and it's the same way that like can you call one of his movies uh, his worst movie because maybe just we don't you know we don't get it like it's not it's not it's not meant for us I don't know. yeah it's one of those films that probably resonated the least with people, maybe mm. the pacing people struggle with. The other two, Wolf of Wall Street, weirdly, was the second, again, quote-unquote worst film. And Three Silence, which I can agree and relate with, it's actually embarrassingly so. I mean, I've said this a couple of times on my on my page. It's a film that I actually walked out of. It's and the- it's not that I hated the film, but it's over three hours it's about Jesus Christ. It's like very last temptation of the Christ, but, you know, in the late 2000s. Uh, Liam Neeson, Adam Driver, Andrew Garfield, great cast, but it's very heavy and I found it to be a slog. Mm. Um, and I uh, just was like, this isn't, it was an afternoon. It was an afternoon. I left halfway through. I don't remember. <laughs> it was at some point, just people were talking to rocks. Like they were in the middle of nowhere, like very monkey. Again, very Scorsese. Okay. Like he's exploring religion and, you know, Christianity quite a lot. He's very, he's a Catholic himself. So it was like, this isn't my cup of tea. And it was an afternoon screening. So I just left. Two and Catholic missionaries travel to Japan in search of their missing mentor. Yes. That's Adam Driver and yeah, um, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield yeah. So, I've seen clips from it. I've never, I've never watched it. But yeah. It, so yeah. people were saying the same thing, like, as in, it's not a bad film objectively. Everything is right, <laughs> but it's just very difficult. Yeah. It's just slow. It's, it's interesting that Wolf of Wall Street's kind of towards the bottom. It's very polarizing. So you said it's your one of your favorite ones. And I, I do like Wolf of Wall Street, but if <laughs> I can probably take like one viewing a year, Mm. Like it's a very, like it's a, it's a long slog of a film. Like a lot goes on and like, I, I kind of struggle with the timeline through the movie and I forget bits about it because it you is so You know what so the bit long. I still get excited about is the, the rough sea section right. when they're on the boat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just find that. It is very yeah, funny. Addictive. And also the scene with the, uh, when they have the ludes and they're like, he yeah. thinks he's driven the car back really well from the uh, golf club. <laughs> and then yeah. they find out what really happened. <laughs> The, I mean, the people who criticized the film were um, talking about how it probably yeah, glorifies a corporate greed to an extent. Mm. So kind of striking that balance. As in, does, it celebrate Jordan, it does it celebrate Jordan or does it, you know, it, that, that's what, that was the main criticism. But, you know. Kind of just, well, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, quick, what's the term? A quick fire of like your hot takes because... I shared the oh, yeah. this is hot takes with with you guys, and I know that some of them you agree with, some of them you didn't agree with. So, do you want to pick one? Of I mean, them? the best one he was great in Shark Tales. I have to agree with that one. <laughs> Shark Tales was great. I don't what, he was in it. Or he directed I, yeah, it. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, oh, okay. he's a character in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, he's he's done a yeah a couple of cameos, which is interesting. I act. Someone said I actually agree with his opinion on Marvel slash superhero films. I mean, I don't agree with that. Was it, what has he said? Because I think I probably well, he just, well, no, he, he's 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 based. Maybe I'm maybe I'm paraphrasing it wrong. But he's basically come out and said that like big budget superhero movies is not, not cinema. It's not cinema, and it's like okay, well, what does what's that mean? Your, yeah, well, exactly. Cinema, what's your, what's your definition of cinema? Yeah, I find that a little bit. He annoying. does tend to act as a barrister 
at times. As in, yeah, he, yeah, like he's like the gatekeeper. He like he yeah. knows what cinema is and isn't, and that's kind of fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Maybe he finds superhero films vacuous. I think that's what he meant. Not enough thought and meat behind the story. Yeah, I think that's, that's what, what he, he wants. Meant. Um, I don't agree. Someone Shutter said, Island taints, taints his legacy. I mean, I really enjoyed Shutter yeah, Island. Yeah, I disagree with that. Same. I don't know why people like didn't I'd like that. I'd be interested that. to know, like, whoever, whoever said that, Shutter Island, yeah, like, I'd be interested to know why. It's, a, it's a, like, you know, back, yes. that, back that statement off. Dude, I mean, why. The, the twist fully yeah. reeled me in. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please reach out to us. Again, um, and a, like a fantastic cast in that. Like that's, isn't it Ben Kingsley, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. And I mean, to, to quickly round up this segment, we want to play a voice note that we got from someone that's, that also has a whole take. On the burner phone. On the burner phone yeah. that I have, where I get Sophie, your. Sophie has, a, Sophie has a gold uh, Nokia phone, like a drug dealer. That we like get a flip phone. Like a yeah. flip phone. Oh, where, where <laughs> like, get... like the flip phones in the departed. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're, coming, they're coming back. Constantly snapping mm. shut for edit points. They're coming back. Yeah. Having... I saw I someone with a phone on the tube the other day with a fold up screen. It's mad. Yeah. And that's the something. I miss the yeah. days of being able to hang up the phone on someone by closing <laughs> it and be like, yes. And doing it, you know, oh, God, fantastic. Love it. So let's play the voice note from Grant. Yo, pick up the phone. What's up? What's up? We just got a ping from the burner phone. There's a significant amount of explosive in the trash receptacle next to This may be controversial, but is Martin Scorsese overrated? I mean, how many great films has he actually done? Uh, great films. Maybe we can name them off of one hand. Casino. Mean Streets, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, what else? The Departed, maybe? Yeah, I know there are others, but not that many. And how many? I mean, he said, listen really off on one hand, he's he already done. named five there. Yeah, look but, at his but, first but he has 30, but he has 30. Um, it really wasn't that great. You know, who was that knocking at my door? <laughs> I watched it for the first time, maybe last year. I, I, I was very bored. Um, what else, what else, what else? I'm, I'm looking through That's IMDb really here. Oh, I think you're being um, really hard on the poor, poor Get a recap of what he's done because it's got so many films out there. And I'd like to be clear, there's a whole lot I haven't seen. But of course, Irishman, way too long. The CGI yeah, was terrible. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, bringing out the dead, you know, kind of not great. Nicolas Cage made the film. How was that film? Um, I don't, I've not, you I don't know. Cape Fear, okay, creepy. Color of Money, bad sequel to The Hustler. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The list goes on. He's got a great couple of great films. After Hours, totally underrated. But The Aviator, really bad. Um, <laughs> Shutter Island, I, really I wasn't a massive aviator. fan. <laughs> um, you know. The list goes on. Anyways, this is a long voicemail. I hope you will, Sophie. Cheers. I mean, you, sir, have high standards. Yes, I have to say. Very much so. I mean, it sounds like a 25% you know, success rate based on what, um, based on the films that he Yeah, and about. considering there's directors out there like Zack Schneider who has a 0% hit rate. I mean, come <laughs> yeah. on. Like, there's some people out there yeah. who just only make shit movies. So yeah. I think he's done pretty well. Yeah. But his opinions on superhero and movies are wrong. And what's interesting about... <laughs> Marty is the Marty. When you look at all of the films that he's done, there's, there's a 
continuity running through them that you, know, you can tell his, his hand's been involved in them. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's just all over the shop. There's a consistency to his work. And I think a lot of the best directors do that. They have, they're like, not, the they're handwriting. not auteurs, it's wrong. Like, but like, yeah, you know, it's like I always go back to people like Guillermo del Toro. Like, you watch a del Toro movie and you know it's his. And he is a, and he's another director who I would argue has like, has only kind of made good mm. movies, del Toro. And you can tell every single one it is. And that's a really, that's a difficult thing to do because you, and maybe that's why partly Scorsese talks about superhero movies in the way that he does and that his movies always feel very him. Superhero movies feel, every single one of them kind of feels like Marvel. It feels like that entity rather than like a director's vision. And maybe that's where he comes from at that angle. I kind of agree with Grant. Like I think it's slightly overrated. Oh, slightly, but that's just because yeah, he does this one thing: slow motion, popular music, freeze frame, <laughs> uh, you know, just voiceover, like, just very standard, like Scorsese things. That sounds like you're not- describing Euphoria, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knows how to do very well, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe overrated is harsh, but I definitely don't love all of his films. So that's the verdict so far. But I, I I do have to go back and watch uh, a few of his early works because that's like Color of Money and things like that I haven't watched. So definitely something to revisit. Time to take a quick break, right? And then we'll be back with The Departed. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Yeah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Years ago, we had the church. That was only a way of saying we had each other. The Knights of Columbus were real headbreakers, true guineas. They took over their piece of the city. Twenty years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. May rest in peace. That's what the niggas don't realize. If I got one thing against the black chappies, it's this. No one gives it to you. You have to take it. Okay, we're back with The Departed that I'm very unprepared. 2006 or 2004? 2006. 2006. Filmed by Martin Scorsese. So it has been 15 years. 17 years. 17 years, there you go, I can't do math. Um, since uh, Martin gave us that ending of The Departed that I, I don't know, I can't stop thinking about. Never since I really have I been film. so glad to see Mark Wahlberg enter frame. One, Mark Wahlberg enter frame with those lovely little feet coverings he's got on. Good, the best he's done his career. Uh, whoa, so, whoa, 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 come on now, Marky Mark's had some hits. No, I'm not going to put it <laughs> <laughs> You can't top that. <laughs> you can't top Boogie Nights? I think you can. Well, fun fact. Did you know that uh, Scorsese gave him the role without even auditioning? I, I'm, I not, that, I'm not surprised because he's, he, because he's perfect for that role. That like I don't think Mark Wahlberg is playing anybody maybe. other than Mark Wahlberg in that. <laughs> you know? Maybe. Like Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, I don't believe is like that in real life. Mark Wahlberg, I kind of get it. Like, I, you know, feels very, very him in that film. Yeah. A lot of people felt, felt like that, I thought, in that, in that, which is a good sign, I guess. I, I didn't know this, actually. The people on um, 
well, on Instagram, like our listeners told me about it, but it's actually a remake from the 2002 Hong Kong thriller Internal Infernal of, Affairs. Infernal Affairs. I, I, because I watched that and I hadn't. Have, I ne- you, have yeah. you? Well, you, when I was in my art house did, phase, actually. Ooh, yeah. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> I didn't notice it was the same film. It's inspired oh, okay. by yeah, Infernal Affairs. Apparently. Infernal Affairs is decent. Nice. I recommend it. It's good. So, yeah, but it just like, I guess the part that has the Boston feeling. So I would be very interested to see that translate in Hong Kong. Let's talk about the plot very quickly, just to set up the uh, lay of the land. Are you going to read the plot? <laughs> yes. Because I think we should do it using the music from Van Morrison that's used, which is Van Morrison's cover of Comfortably Numb is used in that film to great effect. Oh, Let's okay. do it. It's amazing. So, in The Departed, Billy Costigan, uh, DiCaprio, is an undercover cop in South Boston. He's assigned to infiltrate the mob syndicate run by Costello, um, Zach Nicholson, and he quickly gains Costello's trust. Meanwhile, Colin Sullivan, Matt Damon, a hardened criminal who ties to Costello's organization, who has ties to Costello's organization, begins rising through the ranks as a police officer working as an informant for the mob. Both are consumed by their double lives, and each is constantly in danger of being exposed. The only way to survive is to expose the other man, but both are in so deep that it could be impossible. Very straightforward when you think about it, but... It's a game of cat and mouse, yeah. Exactly. Uh, But Simon, you mentioned you had severe anxiety watching that. Yeah. It was very tense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, very the third so. act was just insane, but yeah, it was very fast overall. Yeah. But Poor Michael Sheen getting thrown out a window. Oh, oh my God, God, that was awful. Yeah. I really like the subversion of the characters as you first see them. So you think yes. that um, you think that Matt Damon is the kind, sort of upstanding character. Yeah, clean because, cut. Yeah. yeah, and then obviously that's subverted. And then you think Leo is going to be all bad and ratty and like mm. you know snaky and actually it's the opposite i think it's one of those films that when i because it, it, yeah it was one of the films that i was when i was exploring like cinema i guess and i was mm. watching like proper films and it really gave me a great understanding of how to set up a character arc like just masterfully like as you said like from the beginning it was like how do you set up the right context for a character in order to get to the very final scene for example yeah it's like Mm. it's a great payoff i think planting the seed of matt damon as a little boy getting essentially groomed by Mm. jack nicholson's character frank costello who's the mafia boss basically invites him says, come around to my garage anytime. Yeah, you ever want, he says, you ever want to earn some real money? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the After little, he the gives little... him food and milk mm. for his mom and stuff. Yeah. And he sort of is owning him, this this little boy from that age. Yeah. And so, you, so it's, it sort of plants the seed that it's completely believable that this this guy is completely corrupt. So mm. let's jump right into the final scene. So in a film with this many twists, turns and secrets, it's easy to get a bit lost, right? So if we take a look at the end of The Departed, we will, you know, try to get to the bottom of it because there are quite a few quote-unquote explanations of the ending. So I want to hear your take. So in its plainest form, the final sequence of The Departed shows Sullivan returning home from the grocery store only to be ambushed by his police superior, Dignam, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Dignam, who had served as Costigan's handler during his undercover operation, shoots Sullivan dead and then leaves. And that's when the film ends. But we can talk about the rat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
the, the first question that I guess was the main point of quote unquote again controversy was how did Dignam know? How did we get there? Because there are a lot of things that are happening off screen that lead us to that final plot twist. Mm. Because Dignam knows because he's been posted the tapes. Yeah, mm. I, that's what I assume. By Ver- that he, Vera Farmiga's character. Yeah, I assume that. And also, I think I think Dignam always has, I mean, he's suspicious about everyone, but especially after he gets put on leave, after Michael Sheen's character gets killed and they have that where he, where he like beats the shit out of him in the in in the in the conference room. And if we know anything in Hollywood, when cops get put on leave, they double down on the case. Yeah, exactly. And they don't sit around. And yeah, I think the assumption is, is that, yeah, Costigan, I mean, the thing is, Dignam is his handler. And as soon as, as soon as, as soon as he knows that Sullivan is dirty in some way, he's surely not just going to be sending them to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. The therapist. Surely he's got like other tapes that he's going to be sending to mm-hmm. like Dignam and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But and yeah, and we also know that uh, the, get confused with all the names. Costigan, uh, he did send the tapes to Vera Farmiga's character. Yeah. So I'm assuming they had some sort of relationship. So knowing that you know he had quit, she somehow contacted him and he got access to those. As evidence, yeah, but it's it set up that Vera Farmiga's character Madeline is so outraged about what Colin Sullivan's done that she's sitting on these tapes. Of course, she's going to want to do something, yeah. let them be heard mm-hmm. to, to 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 write this injustice. Yes, she'll be burning with the fact that she's been lied to by this guy, by this smooth-talking cop, and she'll want to uh, make sure that. Billy Costigan mm-hmm. is, is and up and up to that point he's get, he's getting away with it scot free because yeah. he plays it off that the other guy who I mean that's the, the scene that always like the the bit at the end where Mark Wahlberg shows up I'm not shocked the bit that shocks me the most is when DiCaprio gets shot in the lift yeah. that bit every time I watch <laughs> that, that film is, I go fuck because yeah. it's so casual it's yeah. so like just it's a very just Sopranos a, because, moment yeah because you're the, because the scene in the lift is kind of long it's like a minute long yeah. of them just going down to the lift and like Wahlberg is just, or not Wahlberg like Matt Damon is just like oh just fucking kill me blah 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 and he's like, oh, I am killing you, or mm-hmm. he says to him. And then they're just, and then they're waiting there and they're just kind of waiting for the lift doors and literally the lift doors open and then bang, he's dead. Incredible. And it's just, yeah, it blows my mind. But up until that point, he's getting away with it. You know, yeah. we get that whole scene of him being interviewed and recommending William Costigan for the Medal of Valor, whatever the fuck oh. he's recommending him for. Mm. It's, it's a good it example. It gets you so mad. Like, yeah, it yeah, does, yeah. yeah. And da- Damon plays it perfectly. Like he so is good. such a slimy prick in it and he <laughs> plays it so well. Yes. It's a testament to the character building, the fact that you are able to put stuff together that happens off screen because you, the characters are so real in your head. You're like, well, I know exactly what they're doing when I can't see them. Yeah. Right. And you, you kind of fill in the blanks really mm. easily. Same thing with Wahlberg's character because he's being set up as this sort of, you know, very loud, you know, very angry. So you can see how their events, yeah. like, you know, storyline suits him like he would do something impulsive i don't think he thought this through he's he always just like he's just set up as like a pit bull throughout the film like he's always yes. he's always standing on michael Sheen or is it michael Sheen? it is michael Sheen. no martin Sheen. martin, martin, martin. Sheen. sorry i'm saying wrong. that's okay correct martin Sheen. um he's always standing on his shoulder he always has his sleeves rolled up he's always like basically like tensing in the yes. corner and he's always snapping at but people. i think that's his act because my opinion is, is that yeah he is considered. Uh, yeah, yeah. because if you think in the final scene he's got his comedy shoes on yeah he, he's no, thought he's about much, the whole thing yeah. he doesn't want any evidence to be left 
And I think he is a considered, he is watching. And his act oh, yeah. in his job is that he's this nuts bulldog, bull in a china mm. shop character. But really, he sees everything. Yeah, 100%. I think 100%. That, yeah. So the idea, so you guys think that he did it out of quote-unquote revenge, like uh, as because he was loyal to, what's the, um, Martin... Captain, Captain Queen and Queen. Yeah, because, yeah, because killing someone is quite intense. You don't do it casually. I think, he, he's not like a serial killer. He no, I think, I think the reason he probably does it is because the, the problem he has is that there is no evidence to suggest that apart from the tapes and, your, and as Sullivan says to uh, Madeline, he's like, oh, well, he was my, like Costello was my informant. Like he was an FBI informant for me. That's why I was talking to him he's able to play it off like that. So, I mean, the thing is, he'll, he gets away scot-free unless you shoot him in the face, which Mark Wahlberg does. Also, right. uh, Frank... But he was a man of a lot of the law. I mean, to go from that to killing someone, this is why I'm kind of... But all the boundaries whether... were getting blurred all the time, yeah. weren't they? Everyone right. was doing bad shit, but then justifying it because there was some greater good. And, well, again, and that's, yeah. That's gangster films, isn't it? It, it, yeah. it ratchets up every time and everyone's going a bit further, a bit further because that's what you have to, they think they have to do. Right. Until, you know, they just die. Mm -hmm. So an interesting fun theory, which I want to run by you, is that Dignam was actually working with the FBI and he knew about Sullivan's betrayal long before things got, quote unquote, murderous. So in this case, his motivations for killing Sullivan are based less on revenge and more <clears throat> on covering up the FBI's knowledge of corruption within the South Boston police force. I think the opposite. I think he, the FBI thing pissed him off. I think mm. that knowing that Frank was informing to the FBI would have just pissed Dignam off even more. Yeah, and because he would have just seen then, the FBI yeah. as a he would have seen the FBI as like a rival department, mm. and he would just been like, "Fuck those FBI guys!" Like muscling in on our cases and and manipulating what's going on. I agree. I agree. It's a much more yeah plausible like explanation. Now, let's move on to the rat. Yes. <laughs> so the very last shot of The Departed has inspired a lot of controversy. So after Sullivan drops uh, dead and Dignamo walks away, the camera pans up to a rat crawling across a patio uh, railing. And obviously we know what a rat represents, basically. And we have a bunch of rats, like, <laughs> you know, metaphorical rats in the film in a way. But um, some fans found the metaphor too on the nose. And one guy went as far as creating a crowdfunding campaign yes. to digitally remove the rat in 2019. So let me 2019? Uh, sorry, 2019, <laughs> not in 2019. That is not, a, that is not an actual day. 2019. So <laughs> this guy, his name is Adam Sachs. Uh, mm. He started this campaign who found the shot simply too literal and too cheesy. He claimed, unfortunately, the movie has one giant glaring flaw. In the last shot, Scorsese has an actual rat crawl across the screen. And it's insane to me that he would end any movie with such a painfully on the nose metaphor. I mean, I was so reeling from what just happened. It didn't even register with me. I, I, I understand that it's kind of laughable and that is a little bit too on the nose, but at the same time, I don't find it that offensive. Mm. Also, good to point out that that guy who brought that Kickstarter campaign was then uh, Warner Brothers threatened to basically take everything he had and then he stopped because yeah, they were like... Yeah, he got a cease and desist letter. Yeah, because, because they, were, they were, he was infringing on their copyright because he was going... He's, I think he said, I'm going to buy 50 copies of The Departed and I'm going yes. to edit it out and oh, then come sell on, it. It's Great and marketing for Warner Brothers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What's he going to do? What, you can't edit a film 
that's being released and distributed digitally all the yeah. time. He, he just wanted to make it available yeah, to the yeah, public, yeah. Oh, okay. as in, oh, I'm giving yeah. back to society. Well, obvi- obviously I'm giving yeah. back to society with a superior version of yeah. The Departed. That was but, basically... Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't That's going to happen soon, though, with deep fakes. People are going to offer, yeah. like, services where you're like, don't like the ending. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Write your new one. And the thing is, there is... Um, what's the word? Predison? Like, people ha- like, there just have yeah. done that. Like, Spielberg has done that with E.T., Look, I mean, Star Wars uh, has oh, yeah. had Hayden a bunch of, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. they were superior versions, but directors have done that before mm. where they have, I guess, digitally. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't find it that offensive. 100%. Yeah. It's just I mean, like, yeah, of it course is it's, it is. It, it, it is too on the nose and, mm. and, but, but like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like if, if that, if that's the one flaw that that film has, right. I'm more than happy to yeah. live with that. Like, I think people made the points like, how can, how, how can you have like so stupid and so on the nose at the end and this film wins best picture at the Oscars? It's like, well, of course it did because apart from that 10 seconds at the end where you see the rat, it's two and a half hours of a fucking fantastic film. Why do you care? Like, yeah, yeah of course, maybe the rat shouldn't be there and you just see the shot of the big, the, you know, the big golden dome in Boston. But yeah, fuck it. Like, who cares? It's CGI. Because when as well. you sent me that message saying there was controversy about the end frame, mm. I like I thought it was the dome, and I was like, what the, what's that oh. dome thing? <laughs> no, <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't figure. Out, is it a mosque? What is it? Like, I don't. Know. I think it's like the public library. Is that the okay. library? Public library in Boston, or like the? I, yeah. I don't know what it is. Or it's the courts in Boston, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big gold dome. But yeah, no, but, it's just a rat, CGI would rat. Who cares? What is it? Not even a real rat. No, no it, CGI. Really? I think it's CGI. Yeah. I think huh. so. I didn't think it was a real okay. one. I don't think they got a real rat to crawl across. I the thought Marty island. brought his little pet rat. Yeah, and I don't know. He strikes me as a very analog guy. I yeah. don't know. Well, well, it's interesting because I. <laughs> I thought it was CGI. I, I'm wrong. When I when I watched the film and I saw the rat, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me. Maybe it should have that that was what he was inferring to. Mm. Like for me, it was more like. Oh, there are more rats out there. As in, like, oh, it, yeah. as in, it's inevitable. Like things are gonna yeah. happen. Like it's kind of like tragedy. Mm. And I feel like that's very much the theme with Scorsese, where it's like, yeah. there you go. Like, or see, is it, is uh, Dignam a rat? And he's the next kingpin. Ooh, maybe. maybe. Like, you know, a bad guy's Ooh. out. A yeah. bad guy's out. There are plenty yeah. more out there. So it's kind of like that cyclical nature of violence and whatever. Like in the gangster world of Scorsese, yeah. mm. in a way. That's what I struggle with again. most with gangster films is the idea it's never ending. Yeah. So you never get any proper closure or like mm. release. It's like the war on drugs by America. It's just it's like awful. exacerbating everything yeah. all the time. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, making everything worse. Yeah. And no actual cleanup ever happens. Yeah. Funnily enough, you know, I think it was like thinking about the rat and things that, you know, you're like, if, if you're focusing on that, the other thing that I noticed that I was kind of like, Jesus Christ, you'd think somebody on the day would have noticed this. In the scene <laughs> where, in the scene where Frank is killed, where Matt Damon kills Costello, he's so clearly wearing a blood pack on his chest. There's oh, like yeah. what look, he looks like he's got like a laptop underneath his shirt. This, <laughs> like but is a, that not a bulletproof vest? Is he wearing a bulletproof vest? I don't vest? know, or some sort of, yeah. No, I don't think so, because, okay. well, I mean, when he gets shot, surely if he was wearing a bulletproof like vest. A, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but whatever, whatever it looks like, it clearly looks like he's got a massive blood pack underneath his underneath his T-shirt, but maybe it, maybe it, maybe it is a bulletproof vest and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But, you know, if you're going to comment on the rat, surely comment on that as well. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. me neither. 
Interesting. Yeah, I just found that quite funny. It's quite dark yeah. shot. Maybe they, they mm. hide it. With, yeah, yeah, that is a brilliant lighting. scene, though, at the end of Frenchie, Ray, another fantastic Ray Sad Winston. Oh, yeah. When Eve goes, fuck it. Or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he fucking shot me. <laughs> no, no, when, when Ray Winston shoots himself. Oh, he, he shoots himself in the head, yeah. But he says, like, oh, fuck this. Or yeah, something. Oh, fuck this. Yeah, he shoots himself. Yeah. Again, v- very sad when you think oh, about it. Yeah. Like it mm. just. I think that for the, for me that section where Ray Winston does that is where you just remember how on a knife edge all these people are living. Like they're mm. they're this close to death all the time, mm-hmm. and that's why they can be so extreme. Yeah. Because at any point they're prepared to go. Mm. Yeah. And actually, on like character endings and deaths and as well, the guy when the guy. Just before that, after after the shootout, after um, Queen has been killed and your man gets shot, and then he says that with that scene where he's he's like dying on the couch and he says to DiCaprio, he's like, "Oh, I gave you the wrong, I gave you the wrong address, but you're still that is the tension there is just so like much tension. holy shit." And then it turns yeah. again, going back to the rat thing. Then they're saying the next day that oh well, he's a possible, he was a possible informant as well. Oh God. Mm. And that, yeah, as you say, that just, third just act, the right like, amount of doubt as well. Like, yeah, not too much, not too little, just enough to yes. make you wonder. You kind of go like that third act. Every five minutes, it goes like it takes you right to the edge. Where you're like, fuck, 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 and then it like calms down again. And then after another five minutes, you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes again. Like it's crazy. Keep you like on an edge, literally but until the end. That's why I had to calm down and watch uncut gems. After <laughs> <laughs> just, just to lower the tension by ten yeah. percent. Awesome. Uh, I think we saw the ending again. Like any so. controversy can go away. Everything is clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat ending. It's a neat, neat ending. So. We, yeah, I mean, we're clearly is, per- is it a perfect ending? Is it like? I think so. Like that's yeah, my. Ver- it's, so. it's a perfect film. And uh, if I remember correctly, it won uh, best picture yeah. and best director, and it was the very first like Oscar for mm. Scorsese as well. So yeah, I can think, I think of it. I like that it ties, as I said, like the, at the start, like the the film tie literally Frank kind of. Um, what's the word like? Like preempts it almost at the start when he says, yes. you know, whether you're a cop or you're a, where where you're a cop or a criminal when you're staring down the barrel of a gun, what matter? What who cares? And when Matt Damon opens that door, it doesn't matter who he is. He's dead. Yeah, that's it. Great monologue. Yeah, so good. Love it. Awesome. So thank you for listening. If you like what you just heard, you know what to do. Share this episode with someone special. We will see you in two weeks with the bunches of mini sharing. Did you like it? Did you like that? I like it. I loved it. I I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.